Late last year, Celestis Memorial Space Flights announced their next flight. Dubbed the Enterprise Mission, it will see the remains of several Star Trek luminaries journeying into the final frontier on the Vulcan Centaur rocket. Since the announcement, I've had the pleasure of interviewing friends and family members of the late great cast and crew who will be blasting off next month. Throughout the months of April and May, I'll be releasing those interviews. Wendy Doohan got hitched to Star Trek's first engineer, James Doohan, Scotty in the original series, in 1974, and they remained married right up until his death in 2005. The Enterprise mission is only the latest in a string of memorial space flights in which Doohan's ashes have been included. Wendy joined me to discuss her husband's life and legacy. I'm T. Rick Jones, and this is your Daily Star Trek News. How did you and Jimmy meet? <laughs> uh, I went backstage and asked for his autograph when he was doing a play in San Francisco. Oh, cool. What play was it? Uh, it was The Trial of James McNeil Whistler. Oh, and cool. he played uh, Whistler's Barrister. My, my best friend uh, bought tickets for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, because we were both avid, rabid Star, Star Trek fans. So how did you reconnect um, or did you just stay connected or how did that? Uh, all... Well, we kind of stayed connected. Uh, he didn't have any photos there. So he mailed photos, autographed photos to us, which he did a lot with a lot of different people anyway. So then, you know, uh, writing a thank you back and then kind of going out to dinner. And then it just kind of went from there. Uh, what kind of man was he? Uh, you know, we know him from interviews and from Star Trek and from uh -huh. his performances. But what personally, what kind of man was he um, just, you know, on a day off? Uh, well, I think he was a fairly good guy. He had a lot of Scotty characteristics in that mm -hmm. he did read uh, almost anything that had to do with, you know, mechanical and space exploration and, you know, futuristic uh, inventions and all that. He loved all that stuff. Yeah. He couldn't program a VCR to save his life, but he <laughs> loved reading about all that stuff. Oh, that's trying cool. to stay up to date. And then, of course, you know, with Star Trek, he felt this uh, strong affinity with the, with the future. Sure. You know, the things that Star Trek had in it, you know, from the communicators to, you know, all that kind of stuff. Did his interest begin with Star Trek or did he always have it even before he? Oh, was no, I think he was like that all the way. Yeah, he, he was like that his whole life. Yeah, you know, he always kind of leaned in that direction. And then looking back at old uh, clippings and, and stills of stuff that he had done previously, he had done a lot of uh, things that were kind of space or future oriented or dealing with uh, like astronomy or I know the Navy absolutely adored him, you know, because of Scotty. But then they wanted to take him in all their engineering rooms and and show him all the good stuff. But I think a lot of uh, a lot of that kind of preceded Star Trek. You know, he did Jason of Star Command which was kind of a cute picture. I, I've got an old black and white still of him in that. Were you together when he was ma making the films probably, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did you, did you yeah, get on? I showed up after the series and before the films. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. I was trying to do some quick math in my head. Yeah. Math ain't my specialty. Um, okay. uh, did you get on, on the sets of any of the films? Um, uh, yeah, I was on the set. I went on the set of all the films. Yeah. Uh, but I was actually in Star Trek Four. Oh, you were? were yeah. You, yeah. Were you at Starfleet Command when it's raining and everything? 
Um, no, I was actually on board the ship. Uh, I was, I got to do, uh, be in the engineering room with Scotty and I'm sure that was a clip that disappeared at some point, oh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. I did, I did yeah. not realize that. Yeah, it, was, it was somewhere in the engineering room and I remember something blew up and there was, uh, you know, smoke effect and all that. Yeah. And it was a lot of smoke. I'm telling <laughs> you, there must've been some heavy duty damage. It's, uh, it's definitely hazard pay, you know? <laughs> he was in the battle of normandy he lost a finger right in normandy right. Yeah. Um, but he also saved somebody's life would you tell that story he had uh he had a fan who had come to uh who was suffering from some uh depression and mental illnesses and uh she kind of opened up to him at one of the conventions and he really listened to her and he said uh you know, I really want to see you at the whatever the next convention was. I, I don't remember the cities, like where it started and where it went. But over a, a series of conventions, he kept saying, I want to see you at the next one. I want to see you at the next one. And she hung on to that. And that kind of gave her that that goal, uh, that one day more thing, you know, just get through another day to really shoot for that next convention. And so that lasted probably close to a year. And by that time, she had managed to get her depression under control. So yeah, she had kind of made it through there. That's and she attributed him with her, uh, well, basically for saving her life because she was in such a dark, dark space at that time. Sure. So. Uh, and it's, it seemed, I mean, I've heard him tell that story. Uh, it seemed like, he was very proud of that. He was very proud of the effect he had as Scotty on, right. on the public. Right. He, um, Oh, he, yeah, he loved it. He yeah. loved, he loved the, he, I think oh, somewhere, you know, he was voted like the most um, approachable of the characters. Yeah. And I think he was a character that so, so many people identified with because, you know, he wasn't the captain, he was the alien, you know, but he was the engineer and, and, by golly, an engineer just can be in there. Anybody, you know, can shoot to be the engineer. So I think he loved that uh, approachability and the impact and the motivation he had for so many people to follow that career choice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He was he was really good with accents, too. That's how he became totally. a player, yes. right? Um, As, he... Sorry. Uh, did he have a favorite accent he did? I mean, I know he did Scot Scottish his whole life, but yeah, he, well, he, he enjoyed he enjoyed the the Scottish accent. I think that's the one that he most you know felt comfortable with, obviously, because you know it became his his thing there. But when he was a little kid, uh, he would uh, in his house, he'd walk around I don't know the structure of their house, but he would walk from the kitchen, he'd go into the living room or the dining room. And he would start talking in a different voice in the dining room. And then when he got to the living room, we'd start talking in a different voice. And he did that as a small child. Probably made his mother crazy, you know. <laughs> but but uh, but that's what he uh but he enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Did he did he speak other languages as well, or was it just accents? No, just accents, yeah. 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 Um but I he think he may have you know, it's very hard to learn another language unless you learn it as a young child. Unless you, there are some people I'm sure who just have an affinity for them, but uh, he was better with accents than with <clears throat> with trying to speak another language. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Did he, other than Star Trek, did he have 
a favorite project that he ever worked on? Um, uh, something that he really, really loved? Um, <clears throat> oh, well, you mean like in, uh, in the movie business, right? Movie business, on stage, whatever, you know, on television shows, whatever, uh, you know, just did he have a favorite one outside? He, he loved, he loved uh, Spain and he did Man in the Wilderness in Spain. Oh, wow. And he thoroughly enjoyed uh, the movie, you know, the making of the movie. Uh, he loved the horses. If he could have brought that horse home with him, he would have. Did he ride? Yeah. Pardon me? Did he ride horses? Yes, yes. I think he may have learned for that movie, but yes, he 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 rode. He didn't uh, maintain it afterwards, but yeah. So he's going up in the Enterprise mission with Celestis. This will be the fourth time his remains have gone up. Is that right? The fourth? Oh, let me see. One, two, third or fourth. Yeah. 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 I thought it was the third, but you know, I could be it, wrong. Well, it could be. I, I wasn't positive about that. I, I remember the return to Earth, which was the first one. Yeah. And then there was the uh uh this, the second one into space that was out of Cape Canaveral, and then this one. Okay, great. Yeah, and so I think it's three. He's not only going into space on this one, he's gonna go forever. Keep going, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. How do you space. think how do you think he would feel about that, about going up on a on a never-ending mission into space? He would have, you know, if if he uh if he had stayed alive, if he had been still been alive, he would have beat Bill Shatner into space. I'm telling you, <laughs> he would have gone in a heartbeat. You have no idea how excited he would have been to go there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just such a huge, huge part of him. <clears throat> he, yeah. He would have gone. There would have been no question. Would have been, wait, let me put my shoes on, you know. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah, this is such a cool mission. I'm just so excited about this. It song. is. It is, and and the participants that are on it uh, are amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I'm amazed at the the uh, the spectrum of people who go on these missions, not just the the mini Star Trek reunion that's going up on this one, but the uh, variety of people from all walks of life and interests and. Uh, educations and uh, accomplishments and it's it's you know it's fabulous company you know it's fabulous company that he's traveling in and I said that from the first flight I, I was kind of amazed yeah it's very cool yeah um, are is your DNA going up I know a oh lot you betcha <laughs> you betcha absolutely I wouldn't miss this adventure <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great how, how did Celestis approach you um uh, or did you approach them? I mean, how did how did this all? Oh well, I approached them after Jimmy had passed away because he wanted to go into space. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, let's see, how do we get him there? Yeah, and I couldn't remember who uh, Gene Roddenberry had used. And Gene and Majel are going up uh, in yes. this one too. They're going up again. Yep, yeah. Gene and Majel uh, and Nichelle. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. Did you get to know any of them while they were alive? Other than well, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we saw them periodically and, and whatnot. Uh, we didn't really hang out together. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do a lot of Hollywood hangout stuff, you know, but we certainly saw them and visited with them and, you know, got together at parties and whatnot. Uh, I know that Gene uh, was a big supporter of the L.A. police. And there was some big black tie function that was going on down there. And I remember we had gone to it and I remember sitting outside 
during speeches or whatever. I remember sitting outside with Gene and we were just talking on and on about flying and airplanes and, and all kinds of stuff. It was great just to sit down and have a conversation that wasn't wrapped around Star Trek yeah. and all that. Just, you know, one-on-one, -on -one. it was, it was a lot of fun. Right. And then we all hiked up our skirts. Well, not the men, but we hiked <laughs> up our skirts and we trod across the ground to go look at the helicopter that had come in because it was one of the NOTAR helicopters, the ones with no tail rotor. And I was quite anxious to see it. Um, actually, we had taken a vacation to Hawaii and uh, it was the first time I'd ever ridden in a helicopter. We did a tour on uh, the island of Kauai. And I thought, you got to be kidding. This is so fabulous. You know, this was, it was Jimmy and I and our boys. I thought, oh, this can't last long enough for me. And then Probably about uh, two years later, I had taken a flight in Houston. I think it was Houston. Anyway, from a hotel to the airport, because the traffic was so horrendous, that was the fastest way to get there. And as we're flying over all the bumper to bumper traffic, and I happened to be sitting in the, in the front in the co-pilot seat, and I thought, and you get paid to do this? This is amazing. <laughs> And I came home from that trip and it wasn't long thereafter. Um, I took my calendar and my checkbook over to the airport and I signed up for helicopter lessons. Oh, wow. So yeah. you fly now? Uh, well, I'm a private pilot. I, I was going to go for my commercial license, but we moved out of LA. And when we came to Washington, the schools weren't as prevalent. Yeah. And they weren't flying the kind of helicopter I liked. So. <laughs> <laughs> so why do it if you're not going to have fun? Right? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I really preferred the Hughes 300 uh, yeah. or 500, and uh, they didn't have those as a school vehicle. And and we were building a house and, you know, it's not uh, inexpensive to learn how to fly. It is uh, pretty pricey. And I know if you join the service, of course, they'll train you. But, you know, the, the upshot was that... Uh, I was able to learn how to fly and fly without anybody shooting at me. So, you know, yeah, it costs more, but you know, <laughs> the trade-off, right? Oh yeah. Jimmy loved it. He loved it because of course he was a pilot from the war Yeah. Uh, because he was in the artillery, but then when he was wounded, he was, uh, when he was rehabbing, uh, he saw a big sign posted up that said they were looking for um, air observation uh, and they were willing to, they were willing to teach the um, the people who knew how to identify the aircraft, teach them how to fly. They thought that was easier than teaching the pilots how to do all the identification. <laughs> well, basically, he learned how to fly. So he's, wow. he flew the Tiger Moth, and uh, that was towards the end of the war. And he did a lot of ferrying around of people. He, you know, there have been several articles and whatnot that, that uh, label him as the craziest pilot because he would slalom underneath the uh, around the poles under the wires kind of thing, which actually sounds like something he would have done. Um, <laughs> well, you know, j just because, huh, wonder if I can do that, you know, kind of thing. But uh, that's they taught him how to fly. I I just remembered, I just heard a story from Tony Tolado. I don't know if you know who that is. He does a podcast called Sci-Fi Talk. He talked to Jimmy okay. times. And uh, he just told me a story about Jimmy landing on a freeway, right? Or something at one point he landed, he had a general in his, in his plane or something. And you're saying he was the craziest pilot, 
right. me of that. He was having engine trouble well, out of fuel or something. Well, over in Europe at that time, yeah, you need to land. You find a you know long straight spot. It's not a helicopter, you know. Right. There we only need a, a slightly round flat spot, you know. Right, exactly. Auto rotate too, but a plane you really need something that's going to handle that glide ratio. So, so he had fun after I got my pilot's license. So uh, I took him out to the airport and I flew him to Santa Monica for lunch, which was uh, let me see, nine minute flight, I guess, from Van Nuys, something like that. You know, yeah. well, worth it. <laughs> oh, totally worth it. Totally worth it. He he was totally jazzed. He thought it was awesome. That's so cool. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, he sounds like he was a fun guy. He he was. Uh, one of the things that we shared a lot was humor. Uh, there were a lot of things that, you know, are funny <laughs> in life, you know, situations and things. And so that was one of the things that we definitely shared. Yeah. That's among great. our many adventures. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But he got to do the really cool stuff. I mean, the Navy, he got to go out on an aircraft carrier. Uh, when they were doing night maneuvers. That's cool. Awesome. So I was out of LA. So he got to go and and I couldn't go with him. And so I was like, all right, all right. I'll stay home. I'll stay home. That's fine. So he comes back and he was like, I said, well, how was it? How was it? And he said, well, you know, the first thing they teach you is how to kind of dive into that net that's around the deck. You know, somebody says, go, just go. Don't even think about it because there's some issue and just that's your safety spot. And as it got later, the captain who was handling the night maneuvers told Jimmy that he could have his quarters. It's like, oh, that's pretty slick, right? So Jimmy went down to the captain's quarters to go to sleep, which happened to be kind of right under the flight deck. Okay. Oh, they're doing night maneuvers. Wham! No wham! I said, so how'd you sleep? He said, no. (laughs) The next day he's kind of like, yeah, thanks a bunch for that, you know. Anyway, if you had one word or phrase that would describe uh, Jimmy's legacy, what would it be? Well, the phrase is beam me up, Scotty. But, you know, (laughs) everybody knows who that is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the one that's most closely related to him. Yeah. Yeah. That says who he is and what he is just all the way right there you know that encapsulates all of him even though the phrase was never uttered in star trek that totally encapsulates him he was very proud of star trek and his uh and his part in it you know once he got over the the typecast part you know uh yeah Yeah. that would that would probably be it you know it sounds kind of trite but that pretty much encapsulates jimmy everybody knows it and that Yeah, that pretty much sums him up. The Enterprise mission is looking to blast off in June or July, and you'll be able to stream it live. For the latest on the flight schedule, head over to www.celestis.com slash launch dash schedule slash enterprise dash flight. I'll put a link in the show notes. Join me next Monday when I'll be talking to the widow of visual effects director Douglas Trumbull.